Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Special edition of the podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite and the very special guest, uh, Rutgers Athletic Director Pat Hobbs. Pat, thanks once again for joining us. Like just said to you before we started recording, I think we recorded this one year ago to the day. Uh, a little bit different mood last time, but thanks again for joining. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, the, the no question, very different mood today versus a year ago. Uh, so the mood obviously is referring to uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, Rutgers, I'll just say they got they got a little job. Uh, everybody across Twitter, across social media, um, it's kind of in agreement. It's weird to see such consensus from uh, everybody, all fan bases. Rutgers was in 95% plus of brackets on Bracket Matrix. Um, so as our programs kind of continue to rise and improve, um, do you feel like – there's a change needed in scheduling philosophy since it was uh, cited by the NCAA last night and cited by NCAA's selection committee for baseball as well as to why our teams didn't advance in the postseason. You know, um, I appreciate how difficult it is for a committee um, to, to do their job. And, um, and I, I do believe they want to get it right. Um, and, but, you know, to me, get picked because of the full body of work right so I, I think in some ways it's easy to point to sort of a strength of a non-conference schedule but if you look at the strength of our overall schedule um you know that that uh, that was fine right so um so i i i hear it i think you do have to listen they're going to point to things right but as you said so here's where it's where i look at it uh, whatever it's 95%, 98% of those who've been doing this for a very long time say Rutgers is solidly in. They're not even in Dayton. They're solidly in. Um, you look at some of the games that we've had over the course of the, the year. Um, obviously, the, the big win at Mackey Arena against Purdue. Uh, and you look at the way, in my mind, the way we finished the season too, right? So we're two possessions away uh, from um, taking down Purdue again. Obviously, um, really incredible second half uh, against Michigan. Um, real solid win at home against Northwestern. Uh, so we're, we're playing well. I know there was you know, some sighting of injuries and things like that, but um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think we deserve to be in. I'm not in any way uh, discrediting the programs that were the last four in. Um, I, you know, we're, we're Rutgers. I always think we sort of have to do things the hard way. Uh, yes. whether, you know, I mean, that's, uh, if I write a book someday, that's going to be the name of it. Rutgers the hard way. Uh, and I feel what I really feel bad for is the kids, right? So yeah. they, they worked their tail off. Um, you know, we did get through obviously a very tough injury with Mawat. Um, it, you know, that affects you and for a couple of games there, uh, that affects you. But then we saw at the end of the season, right? Um, a little bit of lineup changes and things like that. Um, kids playing incredibly. I, I think we would have made a, a great run in the tournament. 
Uh, obviously, we're in the NIT now, and it's another opportunity for us to go out and try to compete for a championship. Uh, we've got a very, very good, talented Hofstra team coming in here. Uh, and uh, so, you know, let's try to get to Vegas now. That's, that's my attitude is we can't go back. I can't, you know, <laughs> I'm a lawyer by background, as you guys know, and, and there's no appeal, right? So, like, I couldn't file an appeal yeah. this morning and say, here's my brief. We've been working on it all night. Uh, Rutgers deserves to be in, expand the field, whatever it have. Can't do it. But um, so, um, you know, this the, the schedule, go, you know, back to your, your thing about strength of schedule. You know, some of that you can determine. Some of that you can't, right? So you schedule a team that uh, may be early season. You know, you look at a North Carolina started the season number one, right? Yeah. Um, that, that At the end of the season, they're not contributing to your strength of schedule in the same way. But they're North Carolina, right? So – um, you know, I, I think coaches have to, and I really rely on coaches to put together the non-conference schedule because they know their team. They know how they're trying to develop their team. Right. And, um, you know, we had some tough losses that weren't in our non-conference schedule. Right. Um, we, we were told, or it was suggested out there that the Ohio state game would be counted, um, in effect as a win for us. Right. Um, but you've got to build your team, right? So you get young kids coming in. You look at the, um, you know, Derek Simpson coming this year and Antoine coming in, um, and then look at how they contributed at the end of the season. Well, you know, sometimes your non-conference early is giving those young guys a chance to go in and develop. And so I trust. Listen, I think Pikes is the best best college coach in the college basketball coach in the country. Every year I would give him coach of the year because I know what he has to deal with both on the court and off the court. I think he did a masterful job this year. I think we, as I said, we ended the year incredibly strong. Um, I mean, we were right there against Purdue in that game, right? We had a couple missed free throws, a couple missed open looks. We got good looks, though. Um, so um, I, I, I trust my coaches. I trust them to put together their schedule to to help develop their team so that we can compete in March. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say, hey, you know, we need to schedule up here and uh, all, all through this. Um, you, you look at the full body of work over the course of a year, and to me, our full body of work, including our non-conference schedule, including how we recovered from injuries, warranted putting the defensive player of the year, um, one of the best centers in the country, one of the best defenses in the country, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And as I said, I think we would have made a long run. Uh, and uh, giving our fans a lot of excitement. But now we'll uh, hopefully give them uh, some excitement going into the NIT. Yeah, so before we get into NIT talk, I want to ask you, did, I know you said you can't technically appeal anything, but did you did you reach out to anyone or like the committee? Did you get a response back? Or I, I, I did. Actually, um, uh, one of the committee members reached out to me. I'll you know protect that, <laughs> the, the, the name of because uh, they were great. They were great. They were said like this was razor thin. Um, as as uh, described, razor, razor thin. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a couple of things that you cited, and I think Chris Reynolds talked about um, in his lengthier interview, um, uh, they, they cited to me, and, you know, I respectfully disagree. Um, yep. but, I, but I appreciate, again, that they tried to get it right. Um, it, it, nobody was trying to hurt Rutgers in this. Um, there, there was, I mean, I, I think – they like Rutgers, right? If you if you if you love college basketball, you got to love the Rutgers basketball story. And so, but you're trying to be fair to everybody. You know, I respectfully disagree. So does 95% of the prognosticators around the country. 
Uh, apparently so does Twitter and the message boards. Um, but I tried to stay away from them last night. Obviously, I was, uh, I was, I was very disappointed and uh, waiting to hear uh, about the selection for the NIT and what our path would be to try to get to Vegas. Go for the. You, had, you said yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, sorry about that, Pat. Um, so you you were talking NIT before. I know there's um, there hasn't been any tickets or anything available yet. Do, do we know how that process is gonna work? There's there's rumors that it's first come first serve. There's rumors that it's season ticket holders first, and a lot of rumors out there. <laughs> as soon as I finish with you guys, that's who I'm meeting with this morning. Okay. His exec staff to sort of figure out all of this pretty quickly. Uh, so I don't mm -hmm. have answers for that right now, but but I will gotcha. have. About uh, two hours. All right, perfect. Awesome. All I need so to know. <laughs> probably by the time this is out, uh, the news will have broken. So stay tuned. Yeah. No, because no question. It'll be everywhere. Yep. By noon today, we'll have uh, information out to everybody. Awesome. So let's talk uh, everybody's favorite topic for Rutgers Athletics. Let's talk facilities. Uh, since we've last talked, a lot has happened on campus uh, and a lot is scheduled to happen. So we kind of talked about a master plan of the athletic department in the past. Uh, can you just talk us through what is kind of the highest level of urgency right now in terms of the master plan? Yeah, no, appreciate it. And, and we've, we've delayed it a couple of times, right? I think when we spoke, we, we certainly thought we might have it out by now, but you know, they're, they're document, you know, remember what they are. They're just sort of vision documents, right? Um, there's a lot that's in there. doesn't necessarily um, end up being what you try to build, um, what you prioritize, Obviously, the indoor practice facility for football is important. Um, we are still working on design elements of that. So um, not a lot of update. You would think, hey, Pat, it's been a year. Um, you don't have a lot of update. But we're not, we're not waiting on things, right? So the, the lights over of baseball and the new video board are up, and that looks great. Um, the, uh, you know, we got the lights in at Yursac Field, the new video board, uh, thanks to the Cheria family uh, over there. Uh, we've got, we've, we've already committed to, we've got to replace some turf and do some things, uh, on some of our surfaces. So we're, we're the deferred maintenance, which when I got here, there was a heck of a lot of deferred maintenance. I'll tell you that, <laughs> um, we're catching up, uh, slowly. Um, but, um, but yeah, that master plan probably will come out sometime in June and it'll be coordinated with the broader university plan. And that's sort of, uh, that makes sense to me, right? Um, you know, there's folks that can be critical uh, of what we're trying to do. And what we want to show is that it's thoughtful. Uh, it's in the context of what the university is trying to do. Um, so, you know, that uh, making sure that Greg has everything he needs in football is a prior is a priority. So I, I would put that like not just facilities, but, you know, what Greg needs to be successful in football is a priority. And that's why we did what we did with the staff. Uh, in the off season, right? That's a, we made a big investment uh, and Greg's enormously appreciative uh, of our president, Jonathan Holloway, our board in saying, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do um, to bring in the right offensive coordinator to retain the folks that we need to retain here. Uh, so that's an investment. Then there'll be a sort of facilities um, piece, but we got to get that right. Um, particularly in this new crazy world of NIL where, um, you know, the sort of the big fancy looking things are less important today. And that's good because that should help us to be frugal uh, and careful with with cost because we, you know, we're in a very high cost area for building facilities. 
So we want to be careful about that. And then, you know, as everybody knows, we, we are looking at um, Jersey Mike's Arena right? and what we can do in there yep. to significantly enhance the fan experience. I think there were some images that were floated out there on Twitter. I don't know how they kind of got out there. Um, and they're, they're what I would call conceptual, right? So what we will do next then is get to get beyond, uh, you go beyond uh, conceptual and you get to what they call schematic. And schematic gets you to where you can actually start estimating the costs. And because you want to make investments that bring a return on investment. Right. So you've heard me say uh, time and time again, we don't have a spending problem at Rutgers Athletics. We have an ex- we have a revenue problem. Right. So if you look at our revenues, our revenues rank pretty close to dead last across the conference. Part of that's dictated by the size of our facilities. Right. We only have an 8000 seat arena, 53000 seat football stadium. Um, obviously, the fundraising, we need to upgrade that and, and do and do a better job on the fundraising side. And part of that comes with success whether it's football, men's basketball, baseball, your other, your other programs, where people have a confidence that they're putting good money after good money. And so um, more on the facilities probably come out in June, uh, and maybe you'll have me back on and we can talk at, at greater length about it then. That'd be great. Yeah, for sure, 100%. Uh, I do want to touch on one thing. You mentioned Jersey Mike's Arena expansion. I know, again, I just keep bringing up the rumors that keep getting brought up. There's a rumor that there's going to be an alternate site for a year. Is that a possibility or is there, because I know Indiana just did some renovations, but I think they're doing it every off season for the next three off seasons or something like that. Yeah. Our, our goal will be never to leave the uh, arena. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and I actually, the folks that are doing our master plan, um, it's AECOM architects. I think, I think you knew that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I actually just met recently with John Nemeth, um, who's the lead uh, architect there. Uh, when we were out at um, Minnesota for the women's tournament and um, uh, they have experience in renovating facilities and you never leaving the facility. And that'll be certainly the goal. I know um, the guys who are on our team and the guys who are coming, they all love the environment. Um, They want to play in in Jersey Mike's. So (laughs) we will do everything we can to make sure that uh, they never have to play a single game uh, off that surface. That's great news because uh, Rutgers fans have all been wondering how that would affect recruiting. And since you probably know recruiting is at definitely an all-time high right now for Rutgers basketball, it's a huge selling point. So I'm glad to hear that the plan is to never have to leave the arena. It's, uh, it's but- such a unique place. Um, and I've traveled and I've been in many, many arenas. And there's great places on the road. Mackey Arena is a great place. State Farm, Illinois Arena is a great place. I tell you, Northwestern um, – really uh, has become a, a, you know exciting venue uh, yeah. this year because of what they did. And, I, and and that's a great facility to sort of look at um, because it's similar sized in many ways. They have more seating than we do, but um, the, the challenge of renovation um, probably is about the same at Northwestern as it would be with Jersey Mike's Arena. And um, so, it, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear um, from, from the architects that this can be done. Uh, I, I hear probably more about Jersey Mike's Arena than anything else. Um, what I'm hoping now is, is, is next year Pat Hobbs doesn't have to go up and down the sidelines pregame to get everybody out of their seats because uh, what they, they would be surprised to know that when we go on the road, everybody's out of their seats at the tip. Um, you know, at, yeah. at Mackey, uh, they're out of their seats during the warm-ups. Um, and I'm not just talking about the students. I'm talking about everybody. So 
you know, the louder you can make that environment. And we're a very vertical environment, which is one of the, the great things about the about our venue. Um, and, you know, you talk to any coach in the Big Ten or any coach in the country that comes into this place, they both hate it and they love it, right? They, they hate it because – they got to play in it, but they love it because it's exactly what a college environment should be like uh, when you come in. No, nobody's nobody should be sitting on their seats at the tip. Uh, frankly, in, in my view, is you know when when our team comes on the floor, we should be out of our seats. When we leave the floor, we should be out of our seats. Win or lose, you know, and then always respect our opponent too, right? So um, you know, sometimes uh, I love our student section. Sometimes they get a little on the edge, uh, and I try to go over there and <laughs> rein them in a little bit. But um, but it's it's a it's it's a magical place. It really is. And um, it's a recruit. It recruits. There's no question. Recruits. You know, when when the young man, uh, I'm not sure who I can mention, so I, I won't say a name. You can mention Gavin Griffiths because he's your son. So. I can mention Gavin. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, was, he was he was at our game, um, you know, uh, the last game. And uh, you know, he's 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 going to he's going to electrify that place. I'll tell you that next year. So we can't wait oh, till yeah. he graduates and get him over here for some summer school and some workouts and things like that and give him to Dave Van Dyke. Let him start building the body. And uh, he's just a great kid, a great, great family. Um, lovely mm-hmm. parents. I've had the good fortune now of getting to know them a little bit. So, you know, he's a Pikele kid. I mean, that's there, there are Pikele kids and he's a Pikele kid. Definitely. So we'll hold you to that. We'll talk more about facilities next time we have you on in June. Um, but let's, let's move on. The last time we talked to you, uh, we were kind of discussing the new TV rights deal. Since then, it's been signed. Big Ten's also added two premier universities in USC and UCLA. Uh, how big of an advantage is Rutgers being in the Big Ten, both financially, the connections through, you know, the, the AU, um, and how how in the loop were each uh, programs kept when, like, these seismic movements are happening behind the scenes? Yeah, so, um, I mean, as you said, they are two elite programs uh, athletically. They're also elite universities. And so that's, that is kind of the formula that the chancellors and presidents look to uh, when they're making invitations to come into the conference. Um, I, I think, you know, integration on the football side will be relatively easy. I think re- integration for some of our other sports is going to be a challenge, and we're still got to work through that. Um, we're kept in the loop. Um, the, the ADs uh, meet regularly, and um, when uh, talk of expansion sort of really heated up, um, we were taken through a number of possibilities, uh, and then USC and UCLA presented themselves, uh, and they reached out. Obviously, the Pac-12 is having their challenges, um, and um, it's a it's it, you know big loss for the Pac-12, um, uh, big big gain for the Big Ten. They are universities that um, make sense from uh, you know in, in every way. And people say so not so much geographic, but we'll we'll, we'll sort that out. Um, you know, people ask me, well, you know, what's Rutgers going to do? I don't know how many direct flights there are a day out of Newark to L.A., but there's more than you know out of some of our other you know members in the conference, right? Which they may find themselves a little bit more challenged. You know, and then the real challenge is going to be for SC and, and for UCLA uh, to have to come east for all of those, um, all of those different sports. Particularly, if you think about baseball and softball, where you're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but it made sense. You know, you want to do things very carefully in a very measured way. Uh, you want to be mindful of the entire landscape. Um, you know, the SEC is adding Texas, you know, and Oklahoma, and 
Uh, so they've they've had their sort of expansion, and you can look at sort of their model and say that makes sense for them. Um, so I, I like where we are. Um, I know there's rumors out there of further expansion. Um, I'm not giving away anything when I say this. I like where we are. I think um, what you want to do when you expand is you want to settle in, um, make sure it's all working very well uh, before you, you think about other things. Now, look, but you're always open to it, right? So, um, you know, you, you hear rumors about what's happening, the ACC, the Big 12, all of these. And so you just have to continue to watch. We'll probably talk about the commissioner search here at some point uh, this morning. Um, you want to get a new commissioner on board. Uh, we have, you know, one of the other uh, things that folks don't realize is our chances of presidents are very uh, young in their tenure, uh, are very you know new in their tenure. Most of them have been chancellors or presidents less than three years. And um, so they sort of need to settle in, too. And the, the Big Ten's a very special conference. I used to say this when I talked with Jim Delaney. Um, you know, I, I knew back I was there when the Big East was breaking up and you know, schools were leaving. There's something very special about the Big Ten. It needs to be protected. I believe you can protect that with SC and UCLA. I think they'll enhance it. Uh, obviously, they bring our brand coast to coast. And with the, the TV rights deal that you referenced, we'll now be um, in windows from noon until, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when Saturday Night Live goes on. You, you just mentioned the big commissioner search. I mean, obviously, I want to ask you about that. What are you hearing in that regard? And you also mentioned that some of these guys and presidents and chancellors are very new. One guy that's not pretty new is, <laughs> is Pat Hobbs. Is his resume up there? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. The job he has uh, at Rutgers, and uh, fair enough. We're, uh, fair we're enough. getting a lot done here. Um, I'm. I still can't believe I'm in my eighth year. Um, it's 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 mm-hmm. gone very very fast. Um, as you know, those first couple of years uh, were really challenging um, in sort of trying to change uh, what we were doing and how we were going about doing it. Um, I love the success we're having right now. I've got a great group of coaches. They're working really hard. Um, I love the college environment. Um, I've been in it for 35 years, right, Um, in the law school setting, um, working with athletics at Seton Hall. Um, So I like what I'm I'm doing here. And as long as the president and the fans and everybody else will allow me to do it, uh, I think I'll I'll, I'll stay here at Rutgers. Now, I mean, any it. any other response, the message board would have blew up. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's refreshing uh, because there's been some times where the message boards were, uh, were would have been only too happy for Pat Ops to be doing something else. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can only control what I can control. OK, <laughs> listen, listen, that's that's part of what's great about what we do. Right. Is, um, you know, fan fan is short for fanatic. Right. And people are fanatical about Rutgers athletics. And I, I love that. I mean, it's uh, we have. You know, people talk about, well, we're at East Coast and we're in a professional environment. We've got as passionate fans as any college in the country. And um, in, in some ways more passionate because we were starved for success for a long time. And yep. so when success comes, like one of the, you know, ironic sort of refreshing things is um, our expectations this year were, were high, right? We, we so... Yep. Um, it's not, hey, if we could just make an NIT, we'll be really, really happy. Um, it's not too many years ago we would have been really, really happy in making the NIT. And listen, we're going to go out there and we're going to, as I said, try to get to Vegas. But um, 
no, I, 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 listen, I have just as much energy and, and passion for, for Rutgers athletics and what we can do and we, we, what we can accomplish together. We got a lot to do, which I mean, my message to our fans is, you know, we, we've made it, we made it a long way. We've, we've done a lot. We can't plateau, right? You, you can't plateau as a program. Um, the, the folks that are in our conference and around the country, they see what we're doing. And um, so, you know, nobody's standing still. It's who's going faster than somebody else. And so when we come out with, whether it's facilities needs, whether it's um, other uh, areas of student support, we're going to need people to step up. Um, and frankly, a lot of people, you know, they've been appreciative of what we do. But they have the capacity, they have the ability to step up and help us. We need everybody on board. And that's how you get your program to the very top. And that's how you keep it at the top. And that's sort of that. That's not sort of our goal. That's our goal. So now let me re-ask that first question. What is the latest on the big commissioner search? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the committee has been formed. Um, they're already at work. Um, they're, the search firm Turnkey, uh, led by Len Perna and Chad Chatless, uh, have interviewed, I think, just about every AD. Um, I spoke at length uh, to them. Um, the, um, they're doing, as you would expect, they're going to try to do this as quietly as possible. Um, my understanding is that there is a great interest in the position, um, not surprisingly, and they have received a lot of resumes um, from a you know, wide sort of range of backgrounds, uh, some college, some not college, um, I've not seen those resumes. We won't see those resumes. Uh, we're kept up to date on where the search is. Um, and I think there is a, there is a confidence that they will conclude the search, um, sometime before the end of May. I think that's really the goal. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a doable goal. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people who can be big 10 commissioner. Um, and, uh, in my view, in my view, this is not sort of inside information from from the committee. Uh, I trust our chancellors and presidents. Um, Daryl Pines is the uh, chair of the search committee. Um, he really understands what we do um, and how we go about it. He understands the collegiate landscape. Um, so um, I, I have a high degree of confidence that they're going to they're going to get down to some really good choices. Uh, and uh, at some point. We'll know who our new commissioner is, and then it's incumbent on all of the ADs to really um, onboard, help help the onboarding process. Because, as I said, I, I do believe the Big Ten is unique. So, if it's somebody from outside the Big Ten who doesn't have Big Ten experience, I think it's really important uh, that they come in with an understanding of just how special uh, our conference is and how it that needs to be preserved. Um, and I know. Commissioner Warren will um, assist in every way possible to uh, ease that transition. I know, you know, Jim Delaney is retired down in Nashville, but he's always available to the conference and uh, will do everything he can as well. And then there's some really terrific people on the staff at, at the conference office, and they don't quite get the credit that they deserve. But, you know, guys like Kerry Kenny and Chad Hawley, um, really, they've been there a long time, and um, they can be really, really helpful in that onboarding process. So I, I think we'll have a very smooth transition. It's great to hear. Uh, you referenced NIL earlier. 2022 is best defined in college athletics as the year, as year of NIL. In October, the NCAA finally provided some guidance to its member institutions regarding NIL. In November, the state of New Jersey amended its state laws to allow for NIL to be more easily attainable by its athletes. 
How much has NIL changed your job? And how have you and Rutgers Athletic Department managed NIL as a group? I mean, we're still figuring it out, right? This is a, um, a whole new world. And the good part of it is you've got young people who have an ability now because of their talent, because of what they accomplish um, on the courts or on the fields, um, to monetize that a bit, right? To put a little bit of money away, or for some, it's a lot of bit, a lot of money away. Um, and I think that's that's a good thing. So when, uh, and I, you know, I've said this uh, in, in a statement. You know, if you're a, a company here in New Jersey and you want to promote your product or your service or your brand. Um, I don't think there's a better representative than a Rutgers student athlete to do that. And so, you know, every, every local branch bank, um, wherever our kids are from, you should be using our, our kids to, to promote your services, your banking services, um, auto dealerships, all, all of those things where um, got, we look at some of those commercials, those auto commercials late at night. They're awful. Um, they're just terrible. Um, they should use Rutgers student athletes to promote their automobiles. I tell you that. Um, and that's all good. And some of the other things that our student athletes will get involved, you know, some of it, a lot of it's charitable and that's really, really cool. Um, you look at what Paul Mulcahy has done. Um, you look at what Cliff, uh, has done, right. Um, cause he's a foreign student. So, you know, um, he can direct it, but you know, he can't, he can't take it. So, um, that's, it's really admirable. I mean, there, it, and you know, listen, it's, that's work too, right? So when you when you couldn't do any of this stuff, there weren't the demands on your time. And for some of our student athletes, that's where they are. They know there's an ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness, but they just I want to be a student. I want to just compete. I'm really not interested. But for those who are interested, it's an interesting new world. Um, you know, is there uh, are there schools out there that are engaged in recruiting inducement, pay for play? Um, yes. Right. Um, I mean, it's we, we can see it. If, if what we read on Twitter and social media is true, then there's a lot of uh, efforts to entice um, folks to either come as freshmen or to transfer. And we really need the NCA to step up um, and further clarify. But even if it's not clarification, you got to go after those who are not doing it the right way. Right. So. We're very fortunate here at Rutgers. We have coaches with integrity. They want to do things the right way. Um, they um, they are not treating our student athletes as employees. I know there's effort out there to say that you know the student athletes should be employees. I believe we call them student athletes for a reason. They're students. They're athletes. Um, they want to compete. Um, so it's a it's a crazy new world. Um, there are limits to what I can do. I can do what I just did with you guys, right? And that is say to uh, any company out there, hey, um, listen, I can't direct you to go use a specific student athlete, but if you are interested in um, promoting your brand or product, uh, here's a good way to do it. And we, um, you know, we have the open doors site. So any of our student athletes that are interested um, in, in making themselves available, we're trying to do every, try to give them as good of education as we can. Uh, we're educating them on, on brand building, right? So, um, there's stuff you probably shouldn't have on your social media pages. Um, and there's stuff that you should, if you're trying to um, come across as sort of a responsible young person who can help, um, uh, promote your product or, or your service. Um, so it's, it's an evolving world. 
It's not something five years ago, um, I think any AD in the country thought that they would be talking about almost on a daily basis. Um, you know, in the recruiting world, um, it's become a very big topic of conversation, and that's a challenge for our coaches because we, we need further guidance, and frankly, we probably need enforcement, right? So one of the things that enforcement does is it clarifies, okay, you can't do that, right? Um, this is something you can do. This is something you can't do. And there's um, my, I'm told the NCAA is uh, getting ready to um, be more public uh, with some of the investigations that they've done. And I think that'll be a positive. What I've said to everybody is, look, just tell me what the rules are. All right. I'll follow the rules. Tell me what the rules are, but then enforce the rules. Right. So because if you're if you're going to have a set of rules, you better enforce them. Uh, and I think another thing that we probably uh, need help with is more disclosure, more transparency. Right. There's lots of rumors. Right. Oh, this person's getting this. This person's getting this. You talk to somebody else who maybe has a little bit more knowledge. Go, yeah, that's not true. That's not that's not what's happening. Um, so I think more transparency. And right now we don't have a way of um, encouraging that. Um, you know, I, I, I like incentives to, to to disclose rather than sanctions. Um, so it's we're probably two to three years away from really understanding how this new world's going to work. And then we'll do everything we can at Rutgers to make sure that we advantage our coaches and our student athletes as much as we possibly can by doing it the right way. Kind of piggybacking off that. Now, I know you're, you you uh, advocate it for both the Knight Society and Knights of Raritan. Can, can you just explain it? I know what it is. You know what it is. Mike knows what it is. Can you explain to the average fan that doesn't know how it works or what it is? Yeah, I mean, and what I say is, like, they – my, my, what I really encourage them to do is do their own work, right? Do their own, you know, ask their own questions, try to understand how these work. I think they're all well-intentioned folks. Um, they have to understand, you know, what their dollar does, where their dollar goes, um, what the expenses are that are against that dollar. Um, so I think it's more incumbent on the individual to ask. Um, and, and as I said, they're all really well-intentioned people. You know, I've met with them. Um, they want to do this the right way. They want to help Rutgers. Um, they, they, for most of them, it's a labor of love rather than, you know, they're not, you know, very few people are getting compensated out of this. Um, so I, I would encourage people just to reach out, just reach out to them. I know they've got what, different ways that you can contact them. They'll talk to you. They'll explain it, how they're doing it. Um, you know, I, I have to keep some you know, separation, right? Because you can't make it, it can't be an arm of, of the athletic department. Um, it can be an arm of our student athletes, right? But, um, you know, there is, once you, I, and I think some universities um, maybe are too involved in, in directing sort of how some of those entities work and that may come back um, uh, to hurt them in some way. So, we're trying to be careful. They're trying to be careful. They, they, and, and that's one of the things I like about uh, the folks that are involved is they want to do it the right way. Um, so anybody who's interested in, hey, how can I help? Uh, I, what I'm really interested in is helping in the NIL world. Um, how do I help? They should reach out to, directly to those guys. And um, if, if that turns out it's not something they want to do, I got plenty of ways they can help student athletes 
by giving to Rutgers University, right? And that's and that, that remains my primary job, right? Is um, to be able to provide them uh, scholarship, you know, to support their scholarships. Um, look, you look at what we're doing in, in food, right? I mean, some people criticize us for making so much food available to our student athletes. That's such an inc- incredibly important part of their growth, right? In their recovery. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a nutrition staff. We didn't have a nutrition staff before. When people come back, the, the, the greatest sort of testament to what we're doing today is the reaction of our former student athletes when they come back. When, when we have somebody who graduated here just 10 years ago, 10 years ago, and they come back to campus and they see the quality of um, strength and conditioning, athletic training, mental health services, um, nutrition services um, that, that they're getting, they're like, this is incredible. I want to come back. I want to come back as a student athlete again. And I think that's another thing that we've probably done a poor job in educating uh, the public on um, and our, our legislators are, you know, both state and federal legislators. You know, when I talk to some folks in, in Congress and they say, well, you need to do this. I say, well, we're already doing that. And they say, well, you need to do this. I, well, we're already doing that. And they like, well, I didn't know that. I said, I know that's on us, right? That we, we've not done a good enough job. Uh, listen, you talk to any, um, we'll just use the sport of men's basketball. Talk to anybody who played in the Big Ten in the last couple of years, who's now in, in the G League, and ask them, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to be have another couple of years of eligibility uh, to go back and compete for your, your college, uh, your university in the Big Ten, uh, or, or, you, or, or everything you're getting in the G League is so great? 100% would say, I go back to college. Um, and that's, again, not a knock on the G League, but quality the way you travel right the way you, the your quality of your stay everything that we do around um, your success as a student right um, you know some of these some of these students graduate with three degrees um, you know two master's degrees that's expensive right that that listen uh, as somebody who both paid for college and law school himself and paid for college and, and uh, graduate school for three children um, there's a lot of value in that Right. So um, some, you know, I like I think Paul McKay's working on a master's, a number that are working on master's degrees and they'll see the value of that later in life. So um, that remains sort of my job is, is let me do everything on the college side, the university side. And as we get anything that we can do with integrity around helping our students monetize name, image, likeness. Great. Um, but. We still need facilities. We still need all the other things, too. So we've kind of touched on uh, coaching earlier, but you've, you've had a bit of unprecedented success at Rutgers with hiring coaches in terms of coaches coming in and turning their programs around very quickly. Uh, take us behind the scenes of what a coaching search looks like for you. What are some things you look like both on a resume and look for in an interview that really sells you on certain coaches? So um, thank you, Vers first of all, for, for saying that we, 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 we really have been fortunate. Um, we've, I think hit grand slams on uh, our coaching hires yeah, and, definitely. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know that there's, well, it always starts with integrity. Um, you know, to me, if you don't have a coach that has integrity, you're, you're, you're done. Um, because 
this is somebody you're going to be putting in front of parents, um, in front of student students, recruits. Um, uh, you know, your what you want your compliance program to be is problem solvers, right? You want coaches to be picking up the phone and calling your compliance staff and say, "I know I can't do this, but uh, how about this?" And and so not. Uh, have a compliance staff who comes into your office and say, we got another problem with this sport. We got another problem with this sport. Um, They don't listen. They don't pay attention. I don't have that here, which is great. So I start with sort of integrity. Um, And then, you know, I've hired assistants who have done really, really well. Um, You look at what Melissa Lehman's doing in in women's lacrosse, right? She was not a head coach, um, but she's done a phenomenal job. Um, You look at Steve Owens in baseball, right? So he's, He's going to come up on his thousandth win this season. Um, and I think he's 10 away, uh, maybe nine away at this point. And he was never an assistant coach, right? He was a head coach at Cortland and Lemoyne and Bryant, uh, now, now at Rutgers, um, and uh, Steve Peichel, right? So Steve, Steve Owens and Steve Peichel are sort of examples of those guys who went to other places, built programs, had great success. So you can have a lot of confidence in those guys that, look, if they could do it at that level, there's no reason why they can't come in and do it uh, at your Big Ten level. Um, so I, I don't know that there's any set formula, but it starts with integrity. Um, it's great if they've had past head coaching experience and they've, done, they've been very successful with that. Um, I, um, I like folks who know Jersey well. I think we're unique, right? I mean, that's like one of the great things about Greg Shiano is he's Jersey, right? He's he, Greg's pure Jersey, right? He's North Jersey. Um, and, um, and, and he sells that, right? That, that we're, we're Jersey and that in, in a sport of football with quality of talent that we have all up and down the East coast, but particularly around here in New York and New Jersey, um, that's, that's important. So um, you try to do the best you can pick somebody who you think is going to have success. I'll tell you what helps a lot. We're a great university. Right. So now the the quality of candidates who I think are open to a Rutgers opportunity, both because the Rutgers University has evolved to be a really incredible university. I mean, that's sort of lost sometimes in how we look at it is, um, you know, it was the largest merger in higher education history when the medical schools and the hospitals were brought on board. We're over a five billion dollar university now with. Um, the amount of research and everything else that's going on at this university. Now, that doesn't necessarily sell a, a young person, but you get a sense that this is a, a, a university which, because um, not everybody wants to go and play professional sports, right? We have, we have young people that come here, they want to go to medical school. That's really important. And then being the Big Ten. Big Ten is a huge, huge advantage now. Um, and I think, you know, some of these coaches who were been able to recruit might not have been interested in us, but for we're in the Big Ten. We've got this great opportunity. We're in New York. So we've got lots of things to be attract to be attractive. Um, and then it's about uh, and I, I rely on uh, I've got some really, really good senior associate ADs working for me and I'll put them to work um, very early on in sort of doing their research and they do it quietly. Um, so if we're making a change, um, and then sometimes your talent is right here. Um, Bobby Farrell, right? You know, assistant coach in track. You look what track is doing right now. And we had second most gold medals, the Big Ten Championships this year. Um, and he's just getting started. I mean, he's through year two now. And I look at the recruiting um, that he's doing. And uh, it's not just 
me. Like I like to, with some people, somebody will come up to me at a cocktail party or something like that. And they'll say, Hey, do you understand what's going on in this sport? Um, I, I say, I hope I do. Um, but, uh, but when you hear their compliments uh, about what's going on, so no, no, no magic formula, um, good people, you know, hire good people. Uh, and, um, the, you know, Steve Peichel, when we met at the TikTok diner um, years ago, uh, he said something that I um, that says stuck with me and that I want with respect to all my coaches. And thankfully, I have with respect to all my coaches. He said, Pat, you hire me, you'll sleep at night. And now other things will keep me awake. Um, I didn't sleep well last night, I'll tell you that. But um, uh, the... Uh, and sometimes, you know, we have 717 uh, to 22 year olds. Sometimes they, they can do some knucklehead things and they, they keep you up at night. Um, but, but my coaches, I sleep at night knowing I've got a great group of coaches that are all trying to do things the right way. So, um, so thank you for that. And, and, and then look, once you hire them, you've got a job to do, right? So you, you hire good leadership and then you've got to give them the resources that they need. And that's what we got to be about. And all the people that you know are interested in Rutgers athletics is it, you can't just hire a good coach and say, Hey coach, roll it out, go ahead, you know, win, win some games. Um, you know, you look, we'll go back to baseball for a second, right? We're the only program uh, in the big 10 and probably in the power five that doesn't have a, a stadium, an actual stadium, right? And um, so we, we made some upgrades. We added some lights and video board. That can't be the end of what we do to try to help our baseball program. And the same, I'd say, on the softball side. Um, so that'll get back to sort of facilities when we when we get that master plan out. Um, we, we've got to we got to go out there and ask people for some big gifts, um, and, and, we, and we're going to. Sorry, uh, sorry, so oh, you're gone. You go, Mike. Yeah. So the last time we spoke to you, uh, Steve Pikeman just got a four-year extension through the 29-30 season. Uh, you also got another extension this year. How do you determine when the right time it is to extend a coach? How do those conversations start? Is it a constant communication between your coaches? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe in preemptive action. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, two, there's several parts of it, right? One, you want your coaches to know that you appreciate the job they're doing. And um, you, you know, like in Steve's case, Steve wants to be at Rutgers. Um, and when you go out with whether either a four-year extension or a one-year extension, um, it's a statement that we appreciate everything that you're doing. We want you to be here at Rutgers uh, for as long as you want to continue in, in coaching. Um, and uh, so I like to be preemptive. Um, I did that with Steve Owens last year, right? We're having a great year. Um, if this is where you want to be and you want to uh, – and, and I – I'm not a guy who, um, you ask anybody on my staff, what I like to do is put a fair offer in front of a coach. Um, I don't, I'm not like, well, you know, let me start down low here and then an agent or they'll come back and say, well, Pat, I don't think I'm being fairly paid here. I want a coach to look at the offer and say, wow, that's, that's really fair. Um, that's, and maybe they want to ask for a couple more things in there, but, um, I don't think coaches need agents with me um, because I, I'm going to show you exactly what the benchmark data is. Um, we're going to we're going to have a conversation about where do you think you slot in terms of 
uh, the conference or in terms of sort of nationally. Um, and then I'm going to pay you fairly. And if you are coming up to the end of a contract or if I think that um, there'll be lots of noise out there in, in, the, in, the, in the landscape and we want to quiet the noise, let's quiet the noise. Let's, um, that's important for the coach and his family to know uh, or her family to know that Rutgers cares and wants you here. Um, it's important for the recruits to know. Um, and some of it I do quietly. Uh, and, you know, coaches, ADs will sometimes reach out to coaches um, in the middle of a season when they probably shouldn't because they already have a coach and they haven't done anything with their current coach. And they'll make inquiries. And one of the things that I'm very happy about is I got a great rapport with all my coaches. So they will tell me, hey, listen, so-and-so reached out. And my first question is, what do you want to do? And if they say, I love it here, I say, well, then don't worry about it. In a couple of days, you won't have anything to worry about, and we'll just keep going going forward. Um, so we're, we're lucky. We've got some really – and, and that's, that's in place. That's why we got to bring everything else that they need to be successful to them because they love it here, and they should. Um, I just actually walked in with one of our men's lacrosse student athletes um, – who is from the West coast. And I said, kind of a nasty day here. And he goes, Oh, this is just like home. Uh, so you could probably try to figure out who that is on the roster. Um, and I said to him, I said, how are you enjoying New Jersey? He says, I love it here. I'm not leaving. Um, so when he's done, this is where he wants to be on the East coast in New Jersey. Um, and that's where our coaches want to be. And, and so sometimes uh, my best uh, help on keeping coaches here is their spouses. Um, and, and, and their kids, I go, you know, mom, dad, I'm not moving there. Uh, or the spouse says, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're here in New Jersey. So it's a, I grew up here. Um, I love it here. Uh, you know, people ask me, you know, are you a Jersey guy? I was like, I'm a Jersey guy. And I think people see the advantages of being here. So um, we just need to continue to do what we're doing and uh, we'll keep our coaches here and we'll keep, we'll keep winning. And again, unfortunate about, not making the tournament um, this year, but uh, I think every year that we, um, every year is going to be the best year ever for Rutgers athletics. And I think we are really, really well positioned. You know, we've got, listen, we've got sports going now. We're, um, you know, almost done with our winter sports, um, our, our spring sports, you know, the lacrosses, baseball, softball, track. Um, they're all really doing well, but we are really, really well positioned for next year. Um, the, the 24, year for Rutgers athletics, I think is going to be uh, pretty, pretty special. Um, so uh, lots to be excited about for our fans as we go forward. So we talked fall sports. We talked winter sports. We're talking spring sports. Are there any plans to potentially bring back any legacy sports or introduce any new sports? <clears throat> That's a great question. It's really hard. It's really, really hard to do that in this environment. Um, where, you know, we are still trying to get our financial house in order, right? And that requires growth on the revenue side, as we talked about. Um, and that will be, we need to significantly grow our sponsorship revenue. We need to, as we talked about, we need to look at renovations for our facilities, which will drive revenue. Um, obviously, the new TV deal um, is going to be helpful um, as we go forward. Um, you know, it grows in time, uh, so it'll, it'll take a little bit a while for us to really realize the benefits of the new television rights deal, but that's going to be significant help. It's hard 
to look at doing those things when you're not generating a profit uh, as, as a department. Um, and, you know, we're a massive, amazing, incredible university. Uh, and But there's a lot of focus, right, on, you know, we're, in terms of the university's support of athletics is less than one half of 1%, but there's a lot of focus on that. You know, as a former law school dean and professor, I understand the, the needs and desires um, and expectations of faculty, of deans and of schools. So um, any consideration of that has to be in the context of what makes sense for the entire university. I just don't see it right now. Um, I, if there was a sport out there which magically would pay for itself, um, that may be something you look at. Um, the, uh, the legacy sports, you know, I've, I've, I have met with, alums from every one of those what we need i think we need to do a better job of honoring um the success that those sports have had um you know you look at men's crew i mean olympians right i mean incredible history you look at fencing right we've had championships in fencing um it's hard like you, you ask you know some of the um, schools in the big 10 that have some of these sports it's tough for them to continue to keep these sports going given what's happening it's with salaries and other costs and we don't know what's going to happen uh, with some of these efforts to drive more resources into the revenue sports. Well, if you're right, if, if more resources are going to the revenue sports, that takes away right under Title IX, right? I mean, those sports provide the revenues that are enable us to do what we're doing on a Title IX side. Um, it's 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 hard. It's really hard. You know, look, I I love hockey. Right. It's a great sport. You know, we're, we're a hotbed of, of hockey, of high school of talent here in New Jersey. If there was some way to do it, um, that we would look at it. So we'll look at anything, um, but it's hard. Um, I, I've met, you know, I've met with some of the um, alumnus in sports and talked about the type of endowment that would be required in order to return a sport. Um, and it's a daunting number for most of those. You know, when you talk to them and you say, Okay, it's going to cost us three to four million dollars a year to have that sport. Um, you know, the, the rule of thumb is you take five percent off of an endowment. So let's you say you have a sport that is five million dollars a year. You need a hundred million dollar endowment, right, to to fund that sport in a way where people say, "Well, oh, well, they got a they got a gift." Um, you know, Penn State got that huge gift um, years ago for hockey. They built the arena. Um, Hockey doesn't generate a lot of revenue, it generates some revenue, but you look at hockey, I mean, it's, it's the same cost as football, right? Cause you have men's and women's um, and you've got all that equipment, you've got the travel, it's expensive. It's a fantastic sport. Um, you know, we'll, but we look, we will always look at what we can do. Um, you know, you look at some of the sports that have been added around the country. Uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, Iowa added women's wrestling. Um, I think they just wrestle each other um, right now, but um, you know, and it, and it, I think it's one of the fastest growing sports here in New Jersey in high school uh, is women's wrestling. So again, another fantastic sport. You got to keep an eye on that. Um, and you know, we actually generate some revenue on the wrestling side. So I will always look at everything. I'm not closed off to any sort of opportunity, be it a legacy sport or it, it, a new um, a new sport. Um, our, I love our, our guys who do the, um, the gaming, right? Um, you know, esports and stuff. Um, that men and women are doing esports. Um, and I, I love what they do. I love the success that they have. 
anytime I've met with them, they've always been shocked to say, well, you know, if you come in as an NCAA sport, you're limited to 20 hours a week. Do you do you play 20 hours a week? A bit? They go, oh my God, no, I'm like 80 hours a week. I'm like video games. Well, you can't do that, man. Um, so you know, some of it's a misunderstanding, um, but uh, we'll see. Listen, you go back, um, I think it was in 1930, 1930 or 1940, uh, the top three sports were um, boxing was, I think, number one. Horse racing was number two. And... Uh, baseball was number three, right? Well, boxing is no, it's not other than the academies. It's not even on a college campus anymore. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there were boxing teams. So what we have today may not be where we are 20 years from now. Pat Hobbs will not be the AD 20 years from now, Uh, but uh, breaking some news there, huh? (laughs) I think that would not surprise anybody. So, so we'll close you out on this. We thank you so much for joining us again. We want to be respectful of your time here. I know you got some NIT related things to settle before noon. I got to figure um, out what I'm doing with tickets. Yeah. I got, yeah, we got to figure out where we can buy tickets when we get them. What do you want your lasting legacy to be as at Rutgers as the athletic director? Uh, that together, um, and when I say together, I mean our alums, our fans, our coaches, our student athletes. Together, collectively, we wrote the greatest chapter in Rutgers athletics history. So a statue. More. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a statue. You know what they do with statues. They throw things at them and everything else. <laughs> I think if I'm just hear me out, if Pike had a statue outside of Jersey Mike's, I think everyone would be okay. They wouldn't touch it. <laughs> they might just take pictures with it. Let's go win a couple national championships together, which is what our goal is. Absolutely. I'm all, I'm on that train, but Pat, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to hold you to that. We'll set something up in June after the master plans released and we'll have you back on. But uh, for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the American Report podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.